Hello, welcome to be. Hello, welcome to Be In Touch, a podcast to help your relationship grow. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about red flags, right? How important are red flags in a relationship and do they really matter? So, um, you know, life is really similar to a stoplight. It's got red, yellow, and green, right? Sometimes the path is green, meaning it's good to go. And other times it's yellow for caution, where we need to take a step back and consider the situation or surroundings. And then the terrible, terrible red light, right? Stop. Do not enter. Do not go. Danger is near. And going down this path is going to lead to a cautionary tale. So uh, in another podcast, I'm going to cover green and yellow flags. But on this podcast, we are focusing on the red flags. Unfortunately, it seems like life is full of red flags. Red flags, if you don't know what they are, they are warnings of danger, you know, that we should be on the lookout when we are making our life decisions. Red flags don't just apply to relationships. They apply actually when you're making any decisions, you know, decisions at work, being in certain situations, planning events, and many more things, you know, whatever you can think of. You could be making a business decision or have a business partner who's kind of being flaky or the deals keep changing. And that's a red flag, right? That means danger. If you keep on this path, something negative is going to happen. So, you know, although life has a lot of red flags, it seems that we find ourselves ignoring the ones when it comes to our relationship more. If you were offered a deal to give someone 50 bucks and there's maybe a 50% chance you can get it back, you'd be like, no way. Like, I want my money. I'm not going to do that. That's a red flag financially. Absolutely not. But when the person we love does certain actions or has a behavior pattern that's less ideal, we kind of brush it off, right? It's like, well, you know, the last week wasn't good with my girlfriend, but we had one good day and I'm going to focus on that. And it's like, but I don't know about that. So I think it's time that we kind of stop overlooking these flaws in your partner and take the time to communicate with your partner about these things and assess the future of your relationship. Sometimes it's really hard for us to see the red flags at first, but the easiest red flag that I have found and seen when talking to clients is when you see a disconnect between the words of what your partner is saying and their actions, that's a huge red flag you need to take action on. You know, call them out. Start a conversation about it. If they get upset and say that's not what happened or you're exaggerating, then that's gaslighting. And you need to decide about, you know, the future that you want. You need a partner who's going to be able to communicate things with you, especially things that are kind of uncomfortable. So you need to be looking for red flags all the time, but especially before making a huge decision like moving in, having a family, you know, getting like a home loan or a car loan, you know, when I did research on this topic, I was trying to kind of figure out the biggest red flags. I found a lot of great information on divorce sites and don't knock that because you can learn a lot by the mistakes of others or, um, opposite of mistake, sorry, stroke brain, um, or about the success. There we go. The success of others. Um, so um, I found this website. It's called Heckmat Family and Law. I will post a link to their website just so you can kind of see like the full information they give because I'm just going to summarize some things, obviously. But they give three big red flags to look out for before you get married. 
So here are the three big red flags. The first one is the lack of family boundaries. Even though we're all adults, you know, you know, your partner may still cling to their family in unhealthy ways or vice versa. I can speak on this personally. Growing up, I was not taught boundaries or even how to communicate properly as a kid. My family had unhealthy relationships out the yin-yang, and it taught me no matter what family does, they are my family. And this is so true unless there's something toxic, codependent, or abusive going on. So in my first serious relationship, I could fight it in my family, and he even spent time with them. And he would tell me that my bond with them was toxic, and they treated me poorly. And, you know, they treated him poorly and me poorly. I, however, continued the relationship with him and my family. When him and I broke up, I saw that my husband, my now husband, was treated the same way. So I went to therapy and I, you know, came to realize that it was my opinion of my family that was getting in the way of me having successful and healthy relationships. When... You know, so so basically, if I wouldn't have done that, I would have been repeating a terrible cycle. And the, through the years, I was able to work through that childhood trauma. And I fell in love with people who are willing to work on themselves and help others work on themselves. And I realized you need to be able to step back, work on yourself, look at everyone involved in the behaviors that are, you know, toxic and get help from a therapist if you need. But those family boundaries are really important. You don't want to let your family get in the way of decisions on your, you know, relationships. You just do not want that. So um, the second one was money um, and advice and opinions. So first off, money. Uh, You know, life revolves around money, but I have seen a lot of relationships end due to borrowing money from parents especially if one of the people have you know that mommy daddy money um you know uh the heck man says heck matt says bottom line if you follow the money and it leads to your partner's family be prepared to get unsolicited advice or direction on how that money is spent you know also things like uh prenups could come come into play here and that might cause some rifts and that might be a red flag so definitely look at the financial connection to the parents or family or somebody else you know maybe it's an ex who still pays for the person's rent you know always look at money and see where that's going a huge 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 red flag is depending on parents for answers or advice now I kind of talked about that uh before but you know when you come out of the womb and your umbilical cord is cut that's when that's when you should start learning independence. Seriously, not when you're like 30, not when you're 40. If you and your partner want to buy a home, you know, and they say, oh, let me go call my mom and make sure. No, what? You should make decisions as a couple because your relationship is built on you as a couple. And when you include outside people and outside opinions, it could lead to dissatisfaction in your relationship. And it's not a good sign if your partner can't move forward with making decisions with you without getting mommy or daddy or exes or whatever opinions. You know, you don't want to have all these life decisions that you want to make be run by a committee. It should be between the two of you. The third one is communication issues. Um, 
you know, communication is the foundation of any healthy relationship. So though HECMAT gives some communication-related red flags to look out for, things like if they shut down when having tough emotional conversations, um, you know, lies, they avoid responsibility by, like, blaming you, you know, if they refuse to talk about money or children, like, those things are just a red flag. Next, they mentioned uh, religion and traditions and how important that was. So I actually have a lot of experience with this personally, so I definitely want to get into that. i take a quick break. Welcome back. We're going to be talking about religion and traditions and red flags when it comes to that. I am in an interfaith marriage and it was such a struggle it took a lot of unlearning and relearning my beliefs and the same for my husband we had a lot of argument because we both had a lack of knowledge on both of our parts but in the end now we have a beautiful relationship with our faith and spirituality I was raised Lutheran with a strong sense of spirituality I went to church my whole life since I was born if I didn't go to church I heard about it for a while I maybe missed church with my grandma a few times a year and only when I was sick when I was little she would leave me instructions of what I should read in the bible you know which like verse or psalms well one time it's actually a funny story one time she left me a note and she has terrible handwriting just like me we both have terrible handwriting so she left me a note that said read two psalms well i thought it said songs so i looked in the bible for hours for songs and when she came home she brought me um some breakfast to eat because i you know you we usually go to breakfast she brought me some breakfast and she wanted me to answer questions about which psalm i read and i'm like i looked in this whole bible and it was just there's no songs and she was like it's psalms but for me as a kid like i spent forever trying to find these songs my grandma she has a strong had a, had a strong faith in God, you know, but she had no room in her heart for other faiths or beliefs. Growing up, she put me in like preschool church programs, summer school church programs, plays, you know, I would play my flute, confirmation, fasting for religious beliefs and church trips. I mean, my grandma made sure that I had a strong and wonderful access to God and Lutheran Christianity. And I'm very thankful for that because it really, like, I, I mean, I just, I love, I love God and I love my religion. But her acceptance of other relations, of, of other relationships with God or faith, she just couldn't accept. So when I was in school learning about different cultures, I'd be so excited to come home and tell her and she would be so offended and act as I was like the most sacrilegious person ever made when I would want to know, like, what what is a satanist or i don't know uh why does a buddhist believe that you know like just normal things i feel that a kid would ask when i met my husband i learned that he uh you know never went to church he wasn't religious but his mom is jewish so by default he is also jewish my grandma was so she would tell me how concerned she was about my religious safety and my pathway to god because He's going to lead me off her perfect path that she had given me because he was faithless of what she believed in. So at that time in my relationship, I was, you know, still talking about how I cared about the family beliefs. So, you know, 
those beliefs rubbed off on me. And in return, I took it out on him. And in return, he took it out on me. Like, we had so many late night fights about the lack of respect that we both had for each other. And we slowly put up this wall around us because of our faiths and outside input. You know, I wanted him to be what I wanted him to be. And he wanted me to be what he wanted me to be. And also he wanted me a little more, me to be a little more rational because I can assure you I was not. He was testing 20, 23 years of faith. And, you know, whew, it, it was a hard battle. So when this wall was built up between us, someone needs to break it down, right? And start building that romance bridge to bring you both back. Well, he, he, he was, he went first. I'm very stubborn. So he apologized and he looked me in the eyes and he said, he's committed to learning about my faith and what I believed. You know, he showed me kindness and understanding, which I never had from somebody when it comes to religion. So I eventually was comfortable to talk about my faith and I eventually learned about his faith. And when I was able to fully open up and understand and learn about him and who he was, I learned so much about Judaism and what it's about. We both agreed to ignore any outside sources for anything in our relationship. And now we happily attend church. We have a wonderful church community where we volunteer with a disability program um, and we celebrate you know, Jewish holidays, events. And now we both have double the reasons to smile and be happy because we have these two wonderful views of the world that we can appreciate. So interfaith relationships are wonderful, but they do require like a lot of support from others. And you don't have that support from others. You're going to need to find that support in your partner, block out those outside people talking to you. And um, you need to have conversations about, you know, if you have kids, what faith will they be? You know, um, what traditions are we going to follow? What holidays are we going to go to? Like, we're, we're, you know, like we go to your Passover or are we going to go to my Christmas? Or if your holidays are on the same ones, you know, like um, you figure it out. You have to work together on those things and have those conversations and do not skip those conversations before you get married. If either of you is not wanting to talk about it, that is a red flag, and you need to address that with yourself. The reason why I am talking about my interfaith journey in my own marriage is because I feel like in that situation, I was the red flag, right? I was the one who was relying on families and put way too much. I was the one avoiding communication. I was the one who built a wall. I, I was the red flag, but my husband stayed with me. Because I was willing to work on myself. He loves that about me. Like, legit. He loves that. Like, no matter what it is, I'm always trying to be better and do better. So, red flags, are they possible to change for ourselves or in others? Yes. 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 They are totally possible to change for yourself or others can change. It completely is possible. But you both have to have open communication. You have to work on them. You have to be accepting and understand that it is a hard process that we're trying to break, the hard process of our learning history. Depending on the red flags, they are definitely able to be changed into something more positive and productive for your relationship. There are red flags such as like abuse or addiction or things that you cannot work through and you need professional help. The other person needs professional help. Those are things that you should not be doing yourself. Like those are red flags that are very serious. Um, 
But things like lack of communication, lack of trust, cleaning differences, if you, you know, have boundary issues with family or maybe like work schedule conflicts, but those are things you can work on with your with with, with each other. So why do we accept red flags? Like why? <laughs> like shouldn't we just run away as fast as we can because we know something isn't right? Well, I think I think this is what I think. I learned about this in school and it totally makes sense. I learned about oh my gosh. I didn't learn about it in like any of my psychology, but I learned about it in like high school. But I think the reason why we accept these red flags is because of confirmation bias. Do you guys remember what confirmation bias is? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you anyway. So uh, according to Wikipedia, it is, hold on, let me pull it up. Make sure, okay. It's the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms or supports someone's prior beliefs or values. When we're in a relationship and we believe that the person is right for us, we're going to be only looking at their behaviors that fit into your idea of what they are in your mind. So if they do something you don't like, you forgive or ignore it and give more praise when they do something right. So I have a friend who's in a relationship and there's so much confirmation bias for him. Um, and I know it because I've been in similar situation where I was using confirmation bias. So his girlfriend has a lot of red flags, like being irresponsible, always needing family's input. She has combined finances with the family and all this stuff. But he focuses on the good stuff and kind of like bypasses the red flags because he likes the good stuff so much. Like, so what I try to explain to him is like, you right now you're wearing like, you know, like rose-colored goggles. So everything that you see is kind of rose-colored. It's like nice and whatever. So even when something is bad, like in rose-colored goggles, maybe you're looking at a piece of dog poop, but guess what? It, I mean, it looks like can be some kind of art, right? No, no. You are wearing tinted glasses. But, you know, you you have a choice to either... understand that you're wearing tinted glasses so you know you could be like he could be like well you know I really like all the stuff about her and it really makes me feel great but I do understand that there are some things that aren't right I mean some people wear just like clear glasses and they're just like bam like they can they can point out anything they see right through people you know and sometimes like I wear dark glasses like sometimes mine are black because I have depression and things like that but you have to realize the lens that you're looking through when I have my depression lenses on everything is darker when I have my happy lenses on you know you have to realize that your input and your brain and you have confirmation bias everyone does and all these things that you are in control of that and those things you can work on so red flags are something that I think you can definitely work on. Um, if you want to change a red flag within yourself or you want to help your partner or a friend, um, I do have some tips to help you get started. So the first tip when it comes to weeding out people who are red flags um, or, you know, people are going to take advantage of you, the first tip is to, you know, work on your boundaries. Boundaries are something that I've learned 
uh, recently, in the last like four years, and they're hard. They're hard. It's hard to set boundaries, but when you do, you feel so great, right? So you set your boundaries and you stick to them. And w- when you're setting your brownies, <laughs> brownies, sorry. When you are setting your boundaries, you're actually training others on how to treat you. You know, if you let someone walk all over you over and over again, they're going to know you're easy to walk on. I used to have a friend who would call me all hours of the day or night, and I'd always answer and be like, I'm here for you, I'm here for you, I'm here for you. But they were never there for me. And I set a boundary that they couldn't call me past at certain times, and they got so upset because uh, I couldn't call me at 2 a.m. complaining about stupid things. They were just, I'm like, okay, well, obviously I needed this and you weren't willing to do it. And that boundary was just, it was needed. So, you know, you need to realize that if you see a red flag, you need to put a limit on it. And when you limit it, you're taking away the other person's power to manipulate you or like guilt you. You know, like she would guilt me and be like, oh, I really needed you. And I'm like, okay. But then I'm like, no, I have this boundary. You know, if you really need me, I'm sorry, but my boundary is this. When you set those standards, you're going to find people who are really there for you and agree with you. And at the end of the day, you might stop the red flags. You know, you might weed out some of the bad people. Uh, if if you are the one who's a red flag because of like, I don't know, let's say, um, let's say you're a red flag because you like, you drink too much. You know, if you want to work on drinking too much, um, you know, you don't have to do that alone. You can surround yourself with positive people and, you know, let your partner know, like, you know, I can kind of see what you're saying. I'm drinking too much. I'm going to try to limit it. You know, will you help me with that? Or even ask to go to like, you know, Al-Anon meetings. Like, you don't have to go to AA and say you're an alcoholic, but you could go to Al-Anon, you know, maybe with your spouse or whatever, and kind of learn how it's affecting her. And if you need AA, go to AA. But, you know, you can, like, go to support groups and things like that. I mean, you can find ways to work on yourself when you have these red flags. you got to surround yourself with people who are willing to be there for you. You know, when, when I was, when I was having internal struggles with my interfaith marriage and relationship, I realized I couldn't go to people who had stern views. So, you know, I actually started just talking to pastors only. And the pastors gave me so much more love. Like my grandma would be like, oh, no, it's just not going to work because he's Jewish and those people don't believe in this and this and this and they do this. And I'd go to my pastor. My pastors, the one who had taught my grandma, I'd go to them and they would be like, yes, of course, you know, as long as you both respect each other and love each other and have faith in each other, you know, and learn from each other, you know, you are both going to do great. And it was just like, wow, like, okay. So you really need to find people who are supportive, you know, find high quality people. Something else that you can help when it comes to red flags is um, if you have a lot of red flags, like you have like emotional attachment to family or you have attachment to your, you know, you, you get told you're too clingy or something, work on being okay with being alone. Um, it's so nice to be, once you get there, I was never comfortable with being alone. Like I just wasn't. Um, but over time and practice, I, 
it's it's better but it's not about being alone that you have to be okay with it's about being comfortable like you have to feel secure you have to feel you know you can't be like oh why is no one texted me why is no one no you need to find that in your heart to be happy with what you have around you and happy with you know who you are like that's what it is being alone it's not about like just being like lonely lonely baby <laughs> like it's legit you have to if you're told you're too clingy or you know you have attachment issues work on being alone go on a little vacation by yourself um it's going to be scary but it's going to be worth it now always make sure you're rational you know don't make decisions about red flags or changing yourself when you're when you're you know you're in an argument or you're in a fight um you know step back look at yourself i always recommend talking to a therapist you know, I'm a relationship coach, so I can help build your relationship with, you know, yourself. But um, you know, always, always get support. Always get help. It's just, it's so worth it. And one more thing. Remember, if you're looking through, you know, like rose-colored glasses, everything's going to be rose-colored. So either take off those glasses or learn that others are looking through glasses that might be a different shade. Like I was talking about, like, you know, depression glasses or grief glasses, things like that. I mean, the world just needs a lot more kindness and understanding because all of us humans are vastly different. So thank you for listening to Be In Touch. Don't forget that the best relationship is the one you have with yourself. Uh-huh, yeah.